You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 384. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. And as we've done for the last few months, we're recording on a Monday. This is Thanksgiving week, and obviously around the world, Thanksgiving's different for everybody. Uh, are you guys just staying in your nuclear family? I know your your parents are all relatively close. Yeah, right, but we're not having them over for Thanksgiving. Okay. It's just, it sucks. Um, but, you know, especially with how much numbers are going up yeah. now, it's just, you know, you really can't justify doing that. No, and, and in fact, as you know, my mother-in-law is even closer. I mean, yours are close to you geographically, but, you know, my mother-in-law is literally... 11 minutes from us but yeah it's just just not worth it so fortunately none of our parents have to be alone in in this and while the family can't get together as a whole it's you know like somebody said hey have thanksgiving in july you know on the one hand it's just a day that was chosen arbitrarily and yeah true is what it is so uh, i guess well we 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 tend to do thanksgiving in july anyway with just with our you know, with our family, because the kids, after, you know, they're just like, hey, Dad, well, just make a cook uh, a turkey again. And so, you know, so that's the thing we do already. We can just invite my parents, hopefully, next time we do it. Oh, well, that's cool. That, that, that's definitely cool. All right. Well, um, we do have a little bit of news, and you brought an article to my attention that the Stargate franchise may have a little Lazarus left in it yet and you know i guess my question if it does come back and and this is a story that that's been out in the uh internet world for a couple years now i wonder whether it'll be the same characters with new actors or just new characters in the stargate franchise because I don't think we're going to see Amanda Tapping coming back or Richard Dean Anderson, even though both of them still do some of the Stargate cons, which I I think is certainly cool. And whether Christopher Judge or Michael Shanks would want to do it, obviously they would be in in this senior kind of role, I I would think, at some point. But Yeah. um, Yeah, no one wants to watch a show with, like, a bunch of you know seventy year olds yeah, rolling around. My my apologies, Murder she wrote and Matlock fans. Yeah, but, uh. yeah, no question. <laughs> and, and I think my preference would be for the same characters with new actors. And you know, somewhere down the road, depending on how many seasons of Stargate we end up doing here on Sci Fi TV rewatch, maybe we could do a, a little uh, segment where we think about who we would like to take on the role of colonel jack o'neill and captain samantha carter and teal so yeah yeah that would be that, that would be pretty cool yeah so uh anyway what are you watching this week so i actually <clears throat> watched a show that i would kind of keep my eye on on amazon i finally just said what the hey and went and watched it so it's called uh, generation war and it's not sci-fi or genre at all it's a uh it's a three-episode series. It's a German series, um, and it's about World War II. And it's follow- but it's obviously from the perspective of of Germans, and it focuses on this group of friends, uh, five friends, and two of them are brothers, and they go off to fight together in Russia. Uh, one is a, a, a female, and she goes to the Eastern front as well as a nurse. Uh, the other one, the other female stays in Berlin and has aspirations of becoming a, a famous singer. And then the last guy is, um, is Jewish. So obviously you know, his path is, is different from the others as well. Um, the Amazon in their description of it, called it the German band of brothers, which I would not, label it as such at all um in the first episode there are some battle scenes that um are very reminiscent of battle scenes from band of brothers but really 
um, it's really more following the the story of these five people, and um, so that, that that would not be the accurate way at all to describe it. But it was very good. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. The first night I watched, I only meant to watch the first episode, but I watched the first two. So I, uh, you know, once again sacrificed part of my sleep to the the Amazon gods need to yeah right, the innate need to to watch the next episode no matter what um but yeah it, it was very good and actually uh you would recognize some people in this the main character the older of the two brothers is the uh and again it, i of course I don't know any of these actors names but he's the guy who was the main character in babylon berlin the there there's a gestapo officer who's our man noah from dark and then another ss officer who's our man clausen from dark wow Nice. So there's quite a few people that recognize. And I feel I forgot to look. The girl who's the nurse, I know I I think she was in Babylon Berlin as well. I think she might be the little sister in Babylon Berlin, but I forgot to to look it up. Uh so I'm not positive on that one. But so uh all of them is really, really good. The acting was was awesome. Uh the these characters, their stories um are really compelling. So and it's really not much of a, you know, like three hour and a half episodes. It's not much of a commitment there. So cool. It's really good. All right. Well, I have continued my rewatch of season 11 of the X-Files. And I would just say I highly recommend the seventh episode, which is a standalone. And the reason I'm not going to mention the title, it's like this 25 letter long, seemingly. Uh, indecipherable title that's actually some sort of machine code or something that i think when you decipher it it says uh, you know i don't know one of these x files taglines uh, we are not alone or the truth is out there i think maybe is what it is but it's really good As buffy fans you would make a connection with the episode hush and if, you know i know you're not a buffy fan but those of you that are you probably understand the connection even without me saying it so i'm watching one of the x-files episodes that was you know more along the lines of almost supernatural and they're going to investigate a murder in this connecticut town they meet the sheriff they go to the uh, sheriff's office who's the first deputy that comes into the room Roger F. and Cross. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking, of course. He's and he, everywhere. He's everywhere. And he had a pretty pretty prominent role in this episode. I know you don't watch this show either. My wife and I just watched all of season four of The Crown. And I must say, this is a show that, that I have enjoyed up till now. And I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy season four. But it, it starts out around 1979 when Margaret Thatcher, who's played by Gillian Anderson, by the way. Right, who, right. I who saw was that. Great. But I guess maybe it's just a little too close to home in that I live this stuff. It's not all right. that interesting to me. You know, it's not that I'm put off by it or anything. It's just, uh, I, you know, I know all this stuff. And it's like, okay, right. you know, you have way, no way of knowing that's what happened. You're just making it up. Yeah, okay, whatever. So, you know, I'm just going to stick with it. Season five is not going to appear until like 2022, and they're going to have new actors because what they've done every two seasons, they replace the actors uh, right. playing the same characters. So, you know, that's to look forward to. But, yeah, it's okay. I, I, I enjoyed it, but ready to move on. Yeah, I'm still kind of holding the crown as as maybe something my wife and I could watch together. I need to kind of pick out shows that are, are palatable to me and to her both. And there's not a lot of intersection in, in that area there. Um, but the crown is one I think that she she would. I'm sure she. I'm positive she'd like it. Yeah, um, and I think I'd like it. So. I think you'd like it as well. And and the other one I've mentioned before. Did you see Downton Abbey? No, but that was about to say Downton Abbey is, is the other one. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So fulfill that. All right. Well, let's talk about something that uh, is more down our alley, and that is, of course, Stargate SG One, Episode One Hundred Six, titled "Cold." Did you do that on purpose? Because you said like Downton Abbey, and then you were like down our alley, like the very. I don't know. No, actually, I like actually, I, I didn't. Day. But 
That's that's like the level you work at, man. You don't even know how clever you are. It just happens <laughs> organically. All right. Well, anyway, this one was written by Jeff King, directed by Kenneth Girardi, aired August 29th, 1997. And, you know, I really like this episode. You know, even Fred likes it, and you'll hear his assessment in his feedback. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, just to throw a grade out there now, I know we usually hold it off till the end. I know Fred isn't ready to give it an A in the big picture. I, I, I'm ready to go A minus on this one. I really like this one. Yeah, I was thinking A minus is very strong episode for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that whole biblical reference of Lazarus who rises from the dead, uh, you, you know, we, we see that idea on multiple levels here obviously the alien who i'm going to refer to as phonio tries to bring <laughs> charlie back from the dead and, and as he says at the end he just doesn't understand the human concept of death from i guess a a literal and and physical standpoint so he had the best of intentions but he he can't comes to realize that he just can't really do it but it also gives Jack a second chance. It's almost like he's been dead inside despite outward appearances to the contrary. And it's almost like this experience gives him a chance to, you know, maybe come back from that devastating event in his life. And I guess we could maybe even say the same for his wife, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's definitely. I mean, this is this is a, a a deep episode, man. There's a lot of a lot of emotions happening here. Zero, well, not zero action, but very little in the way of action. Um, but you don't really realize that until you get till it's over. And you're like, oh yeah, not wasn't like a ton of action, but uh, a lot of stuff going on. They haven't really touched on this. Like again, we've mentioned before how this was a big part of Jack's character in the movie. They've really just uh, they they mentioned it in episode one of the TV show, but really have kind of just not even talked about it that much. Um, and then they just with a rush, it just brings you to all this stuff that we Jack hasn't been having to deal with, so we emotionally haven't had to deal with it either. And now within the space of the one episode, we kind of deal with it and and achieve some kind of resolution to it as well. Yeah, and I think what's also interesting is that Daniel has some knowledge of what Jack has gone through and imparts some of this to Sam, who basically had no understanding of anything that Jack's past brings to his present. And Teal'c seems to be kind of on the outside looking in once again in terms of you know what O'Neill's going through, so whether he's going to pick things up you know along the way is i guess something we'll look forward to but you know you mentioned the lack of action we you're absolutely right i mean the only action we really have is when this alien energy force zaps people back and then of course when phoneal's in the hospital and he he starts to i i guess you know, disintegrate or whatever the, the correct word would be. And he, he kind of is like sparking there and, mm-hmm. you know, jolting. But outside of that, yeah, you know, there's no action. I mean, which, which is ironic because we see the team so often in their military uniforms. Right. Now, I, I guess on the one hand, you'd say, well, we see Sam and O'Neill that way anyway, but it, but it just seemed like they were almost ready to go into the field and of course they do at the at the end when they go into the hospital but right i don't think they knew that at the time so yeah and especially well hammond you know told them you know you're gonna stand down till your next mission and well first of all what he said that was like well what else would they do yeah (laughs) i thought the same thing of course they're gonna stand down to their next mission you know uh, but they don't. They don't stand down, right? They don't. They don't even get out of their 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 gear, their, their fatigues, uh, because right. all this happens basically. Uh, like you said, Phoneal comes through and immediately you know leaves right after their they debrief uh, Hammond. So there's really no time for them to do anything except for because you know then Jack returns right after that. So they they don't even have a chance to change. 
Right. I mean, the opening scene, you know, we see them in this alien world amidst this bright yellow sand, which is visually stunning. And they're investigating this field of the blue crystals. And that's, of course, when O'Neill's knocked back and out by one of the crystals. And then we, of course, learn that it's an intelligent energy force. and, And we see his doppelganger standing over him. And like you said, he goes back through the gate with the team, the the doppelganger that is, and the debrief was kind of interesting because it's not unusual for Sam and Daniel to do all the talking. Teal'c to just simply sit by quietly, only respond when talked to. But here, Phoneal's got his back to the group, and, and he's just kind of looking around, and nobody finds that unusual, right? which I found pretty interesting, and that he was able to just walk out on his own. And again, you know, nobody really, nobody really says anything to him. Contrary to what we've said about previous episodes, this one does kind of divide into two storylines where Daniel and Sam are trying to investigate the crystal while Phoneal goes to find Sarah and Charlie so you know, why don't we start with the crystal and, and Daniel and Samantha and I, I I'm gonna capture a shot of this whether I actually post it on the Facebook group or not. Am I the only one that when they're looking at that one intact crystal in the lab? Yeah, I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only one, Dave. Okay, so I won't even say. That is, I won't even say. Freud would had plenty to say about oh the God. shape of that crystal. And, you know, the thing about this show, and we've mentioned this before, and I I certainly am cognizant of it when I review shows for Den of Geek, is that you got to look at a show for what it is, not what you think it should be. I mean, we never criticize the librarians for silly acting or goofy lines because that was part of the show's charm. Right. And I think when you look at stargate sg1 yes it's military science fiction show not completely unlike battlestar galactica but it's a totally different tone right and that's the you know that's what they want to set out to show and you know i'm perfectly okay with that so if they want to put this phallic image (laughs) right there and have nobody even acknowledge right anything (laughs) I mean, yeah, Teal'c's not going to, and no, you know, Jack's not there, and I'm not sure Jack would even. I mean, I, I just but. I feel like Daniel missed out on on an opportunity for a a, a comment on this, and you know, yeah, but uh, um, what's, what what can but, you do though? Uh, yeah, now you, you know, you mentioned Phoneal, you know, changing his clothes and and then leaving, but we see him going through that cigar box of mementos. We learn early on, I mean, we're not certain at the beginning, but as the episode goes on, that being able to touch these objects gives him insight into O'Neill. And is he a duplicate 100% of O'Neill? It would kind of seem that way. I mean, he certainly knows a lot. and, And you could see when he finally did go to Sarah's house and he practices saying her name almost as if he knows it sounded kind of stilted the first time Mm -hmm. and then he gets it it still sounded stilted just not as much right but you know it it all leads up to that you know one scene when when you know he remembers the actual day when you know we hear that gunshot go off in in the upstairs bedroom but um you know that was a pretty cool plot device i i really like that because it, it didn't seem hokey at all i mean this is a clearly and sophisticated alien intelligence who's able to duplicate a human being okay we'll take that leap right and i, I love that this is how they chose to use that yeah and, and another kind of what I, I i did like about what they did is that at first we're not sure what what this guy wants you know we don't know what his game is because we we just obviously we're we're pretty sure we don't know for sure that what what happened and in fact based on the 
the name of the episode when it first zapped Jack, and then we see Jack standing outside his own body. I'm like, oh, is he like a ghost now? Is that like his spirit because he's dying, and the, now the, the team has to save him, and he's going to witness everything they do from outside? But then he reaches down and picks up the gun. I'm like, oh, well, not a ghost. And then, you know, obviously he's acting weird. So we're like, well, is this like, you know, it's obviously some kind of duplicate. We assume that some alien has, you know, made a copy of Jack. Uh, and obviously we're, this is the alien because he's acting so weird and different. But we, we don't know, like, what his purpose is. Is he going to come through to try and, is he like a spy trying to find a way to invade Earth or... Or is he just curious and trying to, you know, do some reconnaissance, much as the SG-1 team does? We don't know. And then when he immediately goes to uh, to Sarah's house and starts asking about Charlie, now we're really confused because now it's like, well, wait, why? What is what is he doing? Why, you know? And and so that uncertainty, I, I actually like that because you know we we aren't sure of his motives we aren't sure what he his end game is and uh so that's part of what keeps us watching because we want to know we want to learn what his end game is yeah and i wonder whether the end game changes as the episode unfolds because you know we we learn the origin of the crystals and sam and daniel put two and two together and figure out that these crystals were destroyed by Gaul weaponry and you know we learned that the Gaul are the enemy of this intelligent race so like like you said we don't really know what Phoneal's purpose is for coming through but we figure it's not good at the beginning and then as it transpires and it turns out that that he simply wants to save jack he talks about i i tried to save you back on the planet but i realized i couldn't and then you know that that really moving line towards the end of the episode when he says i i, I thought your wound was physical but it's really not it's, it's an emotional wound from the death of your son and that's what this being was trying to do by the end of the episode which is just you know really a, a beautiful transformation from mm what we thought which is alien bad you know aliens right. coming to earth usually doesn't portend good things right well and that's the the whole thing is the um you know th- that uh the sg program is made to you know basically to prevent aliens from coming back through to earth right um i, I love the scene when they're in the lab and you know they they realize i think i've seen these markings before go get teal and, and tell him to bring his staff weapon and and they blast it and then all the alarms start going off in cheyenne mountain uh, did you get permission for <laughs> me to fire my weapon oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we did you liars <laughs> and, and, and and but what i love about that is that doesn't surprise me about jackson but sam I, I love it's the little rule breaker in her, which is not something we really come to expect out of Samantha Carter or so we thought. Yeah, maybe no, uh, maybe O'Neill's rubbing off on her here. Yep. So but anyway, so, the, you know, they, they learn about the, the crystals and, you know, we, we start to see them try to figure out what's actually going on in here. And, and then, of course, the gate becomes active somebody's got the code to open the iris and i'm not sure if the first time i watched it i figured it was jack coming through but uh, i don't know what would do you remember what you thought yeah when well when they said that someone's coming through and, and that they have the codes I, you know i i don't know if i expect to be jack because and here's the thing i'd assume jack was down for the count and that they would have to spend some part of the episode going back and finding him and getting him rescued right. because he you know he was down he looked like and again the, the title i think threw me off as well because you know i think that someone's going to die and be resurrected 
Uh, so when Jack gets shot, I'm like, oh, well, there's there's the death I was looking thinking of. So when he came back, I, I, I will admit at first, I, I was wondering, wait, who could that be? And then, of course, when Jack came through, I'm like, oh, of course, Jack would know the codes. Um, but uh, And I'm glad to see that he's up and about because the last time we saw him, he was, uh, you know, laid out. Yeah, and, and I mean, he comes through and Hammond does the absolute right thing, which is order him taken into custody, even though he's like, what were you guys doing leaving without me? And it, it's pretty clear to us, we know this is the real O'Neill and that the guy running around, I don't even want to say posing as Jack O'Neill because you don't get the sense necessarily that he's posing, even though he actually is. Um, we know this is the the real O'Neill, and you know the DNA tests or whatever uh, test Doctor Fraser uses, uh, you know, suggests that it is the real O'Neill, and then you know they start putting the pieces together and figuring out what the uh, problem is but they do discover that new problem in in that the crystal's starting to decay and give off radiation and again i like sam's eh, it's not that much it's it's probably safe but once jack the real jack hears that phonio was going through his personal possessions you know he he figures out where yeah, his quickly, doppelganger right? has gone mm-hmm. but but even before that remember that scene when we see everybody's left as you said they were told to stand down and teal has the remote control and he's going through the channels don't watch the news there's, dude yeah there's there's nothing very good that no. he sees including the i guess the heavy metal song which and you know i I like pretty heavy music, but even that was pretty terrible. Uh, whatever it was, um, yeah, I didn't run Shazam didn't say- on that. I was, I was thinking, I, I was thinking about it going to to replay it and uh, do the Shazam app and find out what that song is. But uh, yeah. alas, laziness won uh, the day. Well, yeah. So, so they realize that they're gonna, you know, go to Sarah's because that's where Phoneal has gone. And Hammond tells Teal, "You can't take your weapon. I have seen your world." I will need it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. just a classic Teal'c line. That was a great line, Perf- yes. Perfectly placed. Um, and, and then Hammond, again, it's not something that has ever needed to be talked about before, but you're going out as as Stargate Command. You can't tell anybody what you're doing. And he gives Teal'c that hat, uh, you know, obviously to cover up the emblem on his forehead mm-hmm. that says Chicago. Home of the Blackhawks and the Bulls and the White Sox. Don't forget the Cubs. I guess at that time, the Cubs were still terrible. Although, 97, yeah. I, I don't even remember it anymore. Yeah, I can't but, remember. But, uh, but well, there, there is, if, if I can take a moment to nitpick here, because in the movie, uh, the picture of his son, his son's wearing a Mets uniform. And, oh. Uh, that's what I mean, you mean because of cares. because of the Chicago reference. You mean? Well, yeah. Well, in the, they they show a picture of him in in baseball stuff, and it says Cubs. And of course, you know it's probably like Little League and everything. Oh, okay. But I was just pointing out that in the movie, the kid was wearing Mets stuff, and and now he's 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 on the Cubs. Um, okay, it's it's really irrelevant either way. It's just something I noticed. Obviously, the other part of the episode, Phoneal is going to find Sarah. Did you recognize Sarah? No. Harley Jane Kozak from 1991's Necessary Roughness, one of my favorite all-time sports <laughs> movies, and I say that with all seriousness. You never saw Necessary Roughness? Uh, I did. Is that the one with uh, uh, Scott Bakula? And- it is, in fact, right. Okay. So and, it's, uh, it's- with Kathy Ireland was the kicker? Kathy Ireland's the kicker. Sinbad is the uh, astronomy professor slash offensive tackle. Right. Um, it, that it's is a really good movie. I, I, that's a good. Movie. It is a good movie. I mean, it, it's one of those movies that even if you're not a sports fan, like like my wife, she's not a sports fan, but she would watch that and she would really enjoy it because it's more about the people mm-hmm. and you know things that they're overcoming. A lot like the replacements, which I could watch. All the time. I love that movie, you know, so it's similar to that. Yep. But 
he finds her and she's working on her car engine and uh, apparently lives with her father through his eyes we see that he sees things with a blue tint and i guess that's you know related to the blue crystal probably not important in the big picture but we get these early kind of cringe-worthy pieces of dialogue because he doesn't really know what he's saying we know or we suspect his intentions might be good i'm almost surprised she doesn't freak out more at his request to see charlie sure i mean they they handle him with uh a tremendous amount of restraint, I guess, would be the word, you know, because obviously if this actually happened where you were split up from your spouse and your child had died and the spouse just shows up asking to see the kid, I, my first reaction would probably be that my spouse has gone off the edge, you know, that has has a mental break with reality or something. So that might be why instead of freaking out you know they just kind of and they don't, there's no evidence for this i don't see there's any proof but i'm just saying as a, a a person who if they experience this and they don't like freak out on him maybe it's because they think he's obviously going through something right now and they're kind of helping them work through it yeah and, and we learn a little bit about how their relationship ended in this episode and Fred even mentions in his feedback, one of the things we have to look forward to is whether or not there is any kind of a reconciliation between these two. But we get that scene where Jack's looking around Charlie's room and and flashes back as he touches the boys things. And and he later tells Sarah he he liked playing that game. Oh, you mean baseball? (laughs) And, and, and again, we, know what the problem is and I, I think that speaks to what you just said that that she probably looks at jack that something's off here we don't really know whether or not she has any idea of what kind of program he's in even if it's just a secret covert program you know she may just think he's still retired because as the series opens he he was retired right, right. mm-hmm but you know we learned that that he just apparently walked out on her after charlie's death and you know we we see this exchange between the two of them that uh, or or between phoneal and her and and that was kind of my my first thought when when, when i heard fred's feedback about whether or not they're going to get back and even though she has a conversation with the real jack at the end, and, and we'll talk about that in, in, in a few minutes, Phoneal has kind of messed things up a little bit. Yeah. So so you left because you thought I was mad at you? We couldn't have talked it out? <laughs> so, you know, that it's, it's kind of hard. I would think it's going to be hard for her to forget that happened. I don't know how she's going to explain to herself what she just experienced does she think that the jack that was sparking on that hospital bed uh you know that that caused her to run out of the room that he suddenly recovered put on a military outfit you, you know what i'm saying yeah. so i don't know how she's going to explain that i mean honestly it, it doesn't look like she's even actually questioning it at, at the end you know at this point well yeah. well i think even at the it, end after everything that's happened and and Jack comes back with their their holding the hand of their child, and he tells her, you know, this isn't Charlie. You know, she doesn't she, she doesn't again the 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 reaction is not what we necessarily expect, right? I mean, she gets obviously sad, she cries a little bit, but I don't know. It, it's just she seems to handle most things with a, a pretty much a level of equanimity, right? And she just kind of keeps her her balance the whole time. Yeah, well, she does. And, you know, we hear the gunshot scene and, you know, that's while he's in Charlie's room and, and touching his, his baseball glove or, you know, I forget exactly what it was that, I guess, triggered that memory. But Sarah comes in and she finds Phoneal hugging something of the boys and she she 
gives him his space, it's clearly not a side of Jack that she's ever seen. And, and she even mentions that to him. But it's such a powerful scene for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that this isn't really even Jack. Right. This is faux Neil. Does Jack have that in him? You know, you know it's almost like, will the actions of faux Neil will that have any kind of an impact on Jack? I mean, you know, is it's almost like, will, will that part of Jack go back in inside of him or will that just dissipate and disappear? And the real Jack will have no knowledge, no memory of anything that, that was witnessed. And I, I guess I feel like that's more likely to be the case. That, that Jack is changed by this. No, that he's not going to oh, be right. changed. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I th- in the end, here's where I kind of saw this in, in the larger narrative sweep: is you have this aspect of, of Jack's character that was introduced in the movie as a way to give the character gravitas, and also as to explain why he is like suicidal and why he's willing to run this this suicide mission. And then you get the TV show, and there's still obviously some an aspect of his character that's going to loom large for his character, right? The fact that he lost his son, that doesn't just go away, right? But it sure. doesn't really address it. And then they're like, well, you know what? We should probably address that because, A, we can't continually ignore that this happened, and B, also, we just can't have Jack brooding all the time. So we've got to have him come to some resolution. And so I think that's kind of at least what they, you know, jury's out whether they truly achieved it, but I think they pretty well did, where they get him to finally, you know, have experienced this catharsis of dealing with his son's death and, and to, then to be able to move on. And you know, essentially, I would I would guess kind of checking a box, like, okay, we got that plot point taken care of we don't have to go back to this you know we've officially now pretty much cut ties with everything from the movie except for the 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 gold right well i and we understand that phoniel transforms his outward appearance into that of charlie i don't know that sarah makes that connection and jack when he walks down the hall holding Charlie's hand and, and I guess we could debate whether or not that was a good decision on his part to bring Charlie to see her. First thing he says, of course, is this isn't Charlie. You'd have to expect her to say, okay, then who is it? And, And again, we don't know what's going on in her mind. I guess you could argue that it, does give her that chance to say goodbye to a certain extent that she didn't get the first time. Mm-hmm. Same with Jack as well, so that he comes back from the dead, so to speak, to to really to to bring life to to both of his parents and to give them you know a second chance at life. Uh, again, whether it's a good decision, we we don't know how she's going to handle it you know she's seen a lot in this day not the least of which is the uh, mention of a stargate several right. times but you <laughs> yeah. know so uh, trouble letting but, that idea go doesn't he yeah no no kidding but she probably like we said she probably doesn't know what to think but she says to him take care of yourself jack almost like this sense of finality that yes. no we're not going to get back together absolutely and I, again Another box to check, right? He had an ex-wife. So we got to get her out of the picture, basically. So the possibility, I don't know if they're going to have Jack pursue any romantic interests. Uh, We did talk about Sam, and Fred mentions it as well. But I think we had mentioned then, and if we hadn't, certainly it's a thing that he's, Sam's part of his team, and he's the team leader, and he's a professional. So him getting involved with, with Sam Carter, I, I'm not so sure I see that happening unless she gets command of her own, you know, SG squad and maybe then. But, you know, I don't really necessarily see that happening. 
Uh, more likely, I think there's some sparks between him and the doctor. So I think that's a possibility. But either way, even if they have no plans at the time that they wrote this for any future romantic involvement for Jack, if they have that possibility, we we know that he's cut ties with his wife for good. And I, I definitely think that's what we got there. Um, you know, she says, we were pretty great together, weren't we? Or he says, we were pretty great together, weren't we? And then we were the greatest. They're both speaking in past tense there. So there's no... You know, even though you, throughout, which is kind of in contrast, really, with what throughout the the a lot of the the episode, where she says, "Are you trying to get back together with me?" and things like that to Phoneal. So it, it seems like she's entertained that possibility they might get back together, but in the end, it's not a hundred percent clear why. But in the end, it's apparent that they are not going to you know get back together. Right. And we don't know for sure how much time has elapsed from when Charlie died to the present. It doesn't appear as if she's seeing anyone, although that's probably not a fair statement to make because we see so little of her life. But, you know, the the little exchange between her father and Jack, in, in which her father seems to imply that he likes Jack he knows that Jack loved his daughter, but she's not over you. If you hurt her, you're going to have to answer to me. And I, I just love that little scene there. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, are, are we going to bring another recurring character into the series? I mean, we, we've talked. We got our main four plus General Hammond. And other than that, we don't really have anybody else uh, I think the actor's name is Gary Davis. He's the the little guy with glasses that's always up in the control room at uh, Cheyenne Mountain. You, right. you probably know who I'm talking about, but he doesn't really say much in, in any episode. So outside of that, we don't have anybody. So are they going to bring her in? And, and to what end? I mean, if you bring in a character like Sarah who can't know the truth about what Jack is doing, you've always got that hanging over your head even more than the shipping angle with any of the characters. Right. Yeah. And is she going to find out? Well, if you do that, you know, eventually she's got to find out. You, you can't hold that out there forever. Eventually you, you, she's got to be read into the truth and, and then what? Right. So we'll see. Anyway, um, anything else you want to mention that we haven't talked about? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. I, I, again, the acting, I think, is really good. It, it's certainly more emotion in this episode than, than previously. But, you know, we got so much information about Jack now and, and what makes him tick. So will he be different going forward? Anyway, all right, well, let's hear what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1, Season 1, Episode 6. A really very nice episode. I like this episode much, much better than the previous five ones, and I would give it, as comparison, an A, or an A+. Uh, not really, I'm not giving it an A, but if you compare it to the first five, it certainly earns an A. The problem I have with the first few episodes that they were partly a bit cheesy, and I don't like the trope too much about going to primitive cultures, Neanderthal cultures, Indian cultures, etc. Um, I hope they won't do that too much. When I had a little peek into the next episode, my hopes are not that high about avoiding wood or forest dwelling primitive people. This was more modern scientific science fiction like with these crystals and mimicking the faces of, for instance, Sam and Daniel. Terrific part by Richard D. Anderson and his interaction with his ex-wife. So good, so touchy, well played. They surely are different, but I have the impression that 
his wife and Sam are, as a type of woman, type of female, are a bit alike. Apart from being more or less the same size and blonde, but, but as a feeling. So if he doesn't get back to his wife, that could also have some influence on his interaction with Sam. Perhaps she reminds him a little bit of his wife. And we, of course, talked about the possible spark between Jack and Sam when she was under the influence of this uh, virus. And she said, I want you. And he said, not like this, but in another way then. I really wonder if his reconnection with his wife will play a role or it's just for this episode but it will perhaps play a role in his interaction with Sam. Last topic, you were talking about what you're watching, Dave, about the Danish series Borgen, uh, which is a political series, actually. And the funny thing is, we watched that series about, I think, four or five years ago, when we were in Denmark. So in the evenings when we were in our holiday cabin we uh, watched that series and funny thing was then that we made a trip to Copenhagen and really walked there in these courtyards of the governmental buildings there so very special experience seeing those buildings in the evening uh, in the series and walking around there uh, during daytime Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Certainly the first thing that that I want to address is Fred's mention of the whole primitive culture and whether that's going to become a trope. And, you know, it it is something I've thought about, and I think it's a valid concern. And, And again, I have said I don't really remember a lot of these episodes, and Fred kind of hints that maybe we're not done with it quite yet, so... You know, we'll see. I get a feeling that if you don't like the ancient culture angle, uh, you're going to be disappointed because I feel like they've they've gone there what like three times already, and uh, that doesn't. I I, I have a feeling that's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Totally agree, Fred, about the interaction between Jack and Sarah. Uh, Again, just some really good acting, but. I didn't notice the similarity between Sarah and Sam that that Fred points out. I mean, in retrospect, I see it, you know, whether it's the the short blonde hair that they they want us to see, the, uh, you know, the really confident personality, I I think, would be would be accurate. I mean, we, we know Sam is a scientist and a soldier and what's the first thing we see sarah doing she's you know got her head in the engine of a ford mustang so she's definitely not your girly girl so yeah fred i i didn't pick that up but uh, i definitely agree with you now that you you mention it yeah i just picked Um, up on the uh the similar hairstyles okay and i thought oh her hair is kind of like sam's i wonder if they're trying to make a connection there but um, I didn't really think any more of it than, than that, that the, they had similar hair. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Fred mentions the the show that I brought up last time, Borgen, that I'm watching. And, and when he, Fred, when you, when you mention walking the streets of Copenhagen, look, I've mentioned many times I don't travel, I, I don't fly, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't love to walk the streets of Copenhagen and, and see so many of these things because I really am envious of Europeans in that the Europeans almost no matter what country you go in, they've decided in many cases to preserve the past while here in America, well, geez, that building's 30 years old. We need to tear it down and build a new one. Right. Like what? I mean, ah, it's just, again, even in the crown, you know, when they're at Buckingham palace and you watch these cars, drive up to the palace and there's like this opening that these cars can barely get through well you know they didn't build it for (laughs) 20 20th century cars they didn't they built it for a couple of horses to walk through probably right right and and a lot of european cities they clearly did not build those cities for 
traffic of, of any kind. No, no, but uh, except for Paris, yeah, right. which they totally redid that city to widen the the streets because uh, in it was in eighteen forty eight there was a uh, you know it was in eighteen forty eight there's a, a basically a revolution they barricade the streets and the army couldn't get around the city so as soon as that all was done they widened all the streets so uh, Paris has these beautiful wide streets that are unlike a lot of other European cities. Ah, I did not know that. All right, cool. Um, all right, anything else about Fred's feedback? Nope. So we're going to go A- minus on this yeah, one? Yeah, I'm comfortable with A-. minus. Okay. Yeah, I thought really good episode. Uh, you know, these shows back in the day that had these 22 and 24 episode seasons, you have to know that eventually you're going to get a couple that just aren't quite up to snuff and i I remember reading because x files those were 24 episode seasons and that was back in the day where they had like six or seven days to film and i can remember reading how they would be editing up until like two hours before airtime and somebody's driving the final copy to wherever the main broadcast was gonna take play i'm like oh my god yeah, well, boy, that, that thing's changed yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all right well let's go ahead and, and leave it there this is a good one uh you know when you guys listen to this it will be the day after thanksgiving hope everybody had a great holiday and you know you still got a weekend to go that will however do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thanks for joining us love to hear what you think about sg1 Anything else you think we should be checking out in Genre TV? Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Shoot us an email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about Episode 7 of Stargate SG-1. But until then... You know, every, we get mostly you know positive feedback, but you know, I don't know. Last week, there's someone that posted on Facebook. I don't know if I really appreciated this post where they said, Any ideas? Any theories? Any explanations? Anything? 